skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. Yeah, it was just. He was just like, hey, yeah, I really like that that song you played at the beginning, and I know you're like real good at like mixing audio and shit, and I've literally been doing this for like a month. Uh, he was just like, uh, you do that, you do that spooky skeleton remix yourself, and I was just like, you know, you know what, I didn't. <laughs> so that story ended. You can claim you have on like a IMDb page. <laughs> You, I'll, you I'll do it. I'll, it'll be my wiki. Yeah, your wiki. Your wiki. Will be I like, don't think I have a wiki file yet. You should make one. You can make one. I don't want to make one of myself. That's so fucking like. People do that. Some e- people, some ego, man. Like fucking maniacal. That's sociopathic. Made his own Wikipedia page. He but physically went out of the. Way. I'm like he has ownership of it completely. He has like a team of like 24/7 people that watch like the updates come in, and yeah. they either correct them or like yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Wikipedia is whoring themselves out to literally everyone now to try and avoid getting ads on their pages. Have you been on Wikipedia yeah, recently? The, the donation annoyance. Yeah. 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 I actually, do- I actually donated to Wikipedia like twice. You did? Yeah. Like how um, much? Uh, I think it was. Um, <laughs> it sucks. I think it was fifty both times. Are you fucking serious? No, I'm absolutely serious because I, I, I'm also like a member of NPR, and I think that like having free information that's not ad supported is so important it doesn't have to be all of it but you know if you can remove yourself from the money making part of it you can tell a a much more neutral story yeah yeah no i never realized you were like a 50 year old stuck in like a 25 year old body i never i never got that literally everything like if you know that you understand who i am as a human being oh it may you know it all makes sense now yeah it does (laughs) Yes, it does. Oh, so I I can't I don't know if you can tell, ladies and gents, who I'm with here today, but it's a uh, it's the rising star himself, Django Phillips. <laughs> Django Phillips is here again with us uh, for more creepy pastas oh, here creepy. here on uh, here on Lachapaste. Um, so today on the the schedule. We're gonna we're gonna start with a couple of short creeps, and then we're gonna come back in for some U.S. Forest Service search and rescue creeps. Just because this is um, this is really what gets Django Phillips's motor running. This is this is one of my favorites. Candle Cove, yeah, specifically. Oh, I love Candle Cove. Oh, that's my jam, son. I true. Well, I mean, we can't over talk it. We're gonna over talk. N- no, we can't. We can't do it before we read it. So either we just we just jump right Agreed. in. Agreed. Agreed. Is there, is there anything you wanted to share being here on on your second recording before we jump into our first story? Uh, I I also donate to the NAACP. <laughs> that's you know that's all right. I don't mean to be mocking you for like the things you spend your money no, on. No, no, it's no. just you know I I'm a broke twenty five year old and I would accept your money. I, I no yeah that's true that's a good point i i guess the only purpose in me saying that was someone listening who's like oh you know i like npr and i like wikipedia maybe he's not such a bad dude i also you're not a bad dude and maybe he's not such an old man he's not such an old fuck yeah 
you know, all that should have gone out the window because I donate to the NAAP. Yeah. 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 No, it's, that's really nice. It's good. You it's good. geriatric fuck. I love black people. <laughs> and I love free. The two things okay, I so love. So you're better than 50 year olds. Yeah. Well, ooh, ooh, political. That went political. Um, yeah. So the two things I love are black people and free media. And those are the only two things I love. All right, so we're going to jump into our first story yeah. here with Django Phillips. I'm going to let him start. And um, just for, for Candle Cove, uh, it is written in the style of what I would call, like, forum. Yeah, it's a message board. Yeah. Forum. Like a, like, a public, like a public online forum or yeah. message board dedicated to a very specific topic of this old kids TV show. And... Uh, we're not going to read, like, the usernames while individual and showing recurring characters really don't help with this story at all. It just makes a... It sells the form, but we're going to tell it... Uh, we're going to go back and forth reading individual user uh, statements. Let's do it. This is Camel Cove, the creepypasta. Does anyone remember this kid's show? Uh, it was called Camel Cove. Uh, I must have been, like, six or seven. I never found reference to it anywhere, so I think it was on a local station around 71 or 72. I lived in Ironton at the time. I don't remember which station, but I do remember it was on at a weird time, like 4 p.m. It seems really familiar to me. I, I grew up outside of Ashland and was nine years old in 72. Candle Cove, was it about pirates? I remember a pirate marionette at the uh, mouth of a cave talking to a little girl. Yes! Okay, I'm not crazy. Uh, I remember Pirate Percy. Yeah, I was always kind of scared of him. He looked like he was built from parts of other dolls. Real low budget. His head was on an old porcelain baby doll. Looked like an antique that didn't belong in the body. I don't remember what station this was. Uh, I don't think it was WTSF, though. Sorry to resurrect this old thread, but I know exactly what show you mean. Uh, I think Candle Cove ran for only a couple months in 71, not 72. I was 12, and I watched it a few times with my brother. It was channel 58, whatever station that was. Uh, my mom would let me switch to it after the news. Uh, let me see what I remember. It took place in Candle Cove, and it was about a little girl who imagined herself to be friends with pirates. Pirate ship was called the Laughing Stock, and Pirate Percy wasn't a very good pirate because he got scared too easily. And there was Calliope music constantly playing. Uh, don't remember the girl's name, uh, Janice or Jade or something. I, I think it was Janice. Thank you. Yeah, memories flooded back when you mentioned the Laughing Stock and uh, Channel 58. I remember the the bow of the ship was a wooden smiling face with the lower jaw submerged. It looked like it was swallowing the sea and had that awful Edwin voice and laugh. I especially remember how jarring it was when they switched from the wooden plastic model to the foam puppet version of the head that talked. Ha! I remember now too. Winky face emoji. <laughs> Do you remember this uh, part? Uh, you have to go inside! Ugh. I got a chill reading that. Yeah, I remember. That's what the ship always told Percy when there was a spooky place he had to go in, like a cave or a dark room where the treasure was, and the camera would push in on Laughingstock's face with each pause. You have to go inside. His two eyes askew and that flopping foam jaw and the fishing line that opened and closed it. Uh, it just looks so cheap and awful. 
You guys remember the villain? He had a face that was just a handlebar mustache above really tall, narrow teeth. I honestly, honestly thought the villain was Pirate Percy. I was about five when the show was on. Nightmare Fuel. Yeah, that wasn't the villain, the, the puppet with the mustache. That was the villain's sidekick, Horace Horrible. He had a monocle too, but it was on top of the mustache. I used to think that meant he only had one eye. But yeah, the villain was another marionette, the Skin Taker. I can't believe what they let us watch back then. Jesus H. Christ, the Skin Taker. What kind of kids show were we watching? I seriously could not look at the screen when the Skin Taker showed up. He just descended out of nowhere on his strings, just a dirty skeleton wearing that brown top hat and cape. And his glass eye that was too big for his skull. Christ almighty. Wasn't his top hat and cloak all sewn up crazily? Wasn't that supposed to be, like, children's skin? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Remember, his mouth didn't open and close. His jaw just slid back and forth. I remember the little girl said, Why does your mouth move like that? And the skin taker didn't look at the girl, but at the camera and said, To grind your skin! (sighs) I'm so relieved that other people remember this terrible show. I used to have this awful memory, a bad dream I had, where the opening jingle ended... The show faded in from black, and all the characters were there, but the camera was just cutting each of their faces, and they were just screaming. And the the, puppin, the puppets and the marionettes were flailing spastically, and they were all just screaming. The girl was just moaning and crying like she had been through hours of this. I woke up so many times from that nightmare. I used to wet the bed when I had it. I don't think that was a dream. I remember that. I remember that was an episode. <laughs> no. No, 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 it's not possible. There was no plot or anything. I mean literally just standing in place, crying and screaming for the whole show. Maybe I'm manufacturing the memory because you said that, but I swear to God I remember seeing what you described. They just screamed. Oh, God. Yes. The little girl, Janice. I remember seeing her shake. And the skin taker screaming through his gnashing teeth. His jaw careening so wildly, I thought it would come off its wire hinges. I turned it off, and it was the last time I watched. I ran to tell my brother, and we didn't have the courage to turn it back on again. I visited my mom today at the nursing home. I asked her about when I was little in the early 70s, when I was 8 or 9, and if she remembered a kid's show, Candle Cove. She said she was surprised I could remember that, and I asked why, and she said, because I used to think it was so strange that you said, I'm going to go watch Candle Cove now, Mom. And then he would turn the TV to static and just watch dead air for 30 minutes. You had a big imagination with your little pirate show. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was was static. It was static, but they all saw the same show. That's not possible. I really just think it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of, like, uh, people in acting school playing yes and it's just one long yes and oh, yeah. thing online like an, improv. <laughs> like an improv class yeah it's like oh yeah and then the, and then the face would like yeah and then oh, yeah, smile that. yeah and then the thing and the other thing and yeah yeah and, you know it's just some shitty drama teacher recording her her kids <laughs> her kids in her class you know he's just like this is the shit they come up with in my class i know smart that shitty drama teacher is pretty freaking smart that's like that's like the 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 actually one of the few publicly known creepypastas like if you don't if you don't know the genre and you don't oh, really candle cove yeah oh totally yeah people know it people yeah know it as an as the genre defining thing so i had terry the tickler on last week and uh we read uh robert the doll okay 
Do you know Robert the Doll? I feel like I should. It is like textbook Annabelle from like The Conjuring. Okay. Like literally down to like the Warrens, but renamed something else. Oh, okay. You know, like uh, the doll now resides in a house in Maine and it, people aren't allowed to go near it, but sometimes it moves. Like, right. Um, that was one of the most popular ones I've heard of. Jeff the Killer, uh, fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it's, about Jeff the Killer? It's, it's horrible. Although one time at college, someone during Halloween, you know that uh, meme of Jeff the Terrible where it just says, yeah. go to sleep? Yeah. Someone printed it out and put that in the inside of the elevator doors. So it wasn't there when you walked in the elevator, but then you closed in this closed elevator with whoever strangers you're surrounded by, and the face came out and said, yeah. "Go to sleep." It's pretty fucking. Scary. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. Good, good for good, that. Good for that troll out yeah. there. It was a good prank. It was nice. Um, Terry the Tickler is absolutely terrified of Jeff the Killer, and like he he pretty much he pretty much said like, "Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it because even thinking about that fucking picture terrifies me." The picture or the he he said that that like the photoshopped facial features just get to him on yeah. like an unnatural level it is totally i, I i'm with him on that because it's just unsettling it's also something that, like you don't expect at all and then you're in bed at like one o'clock in the morning and you're on your phone and you're just scrolling a website yeah. and you it comes into view like that moment sucks it's like ah yeah. oh, it no sucks. it's bad yeah. no it's bad okay okay kids so we're gonna we're gonna tune in here uh this is gonna be the uh the second story and then we're gonna get into some U.S. forest search and rescue stories. Did you like spittle on my TV? On I, my I may have spittled a little bit on the mic. <laughs> That's it's, okay. It's, That's it's it. It likes it. It, it might not have been me. Dirty <laughs> fucking been slut. Yeah, it could have been me. Could have been you. So I'm gonna read, uh, or we could switch. I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna switch off with you at one point. Just follow along. Um, we're gonna read uh, the Russian sleep experiment. And this is another one that we literally just talked about. Um, this one is well known. When people think about creepypastas and, and they have maybe like a list of 10, you know, Russian sleep experiment is usually up there. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're doing a lot of the uh, greatest hits genre defining. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I also remember I wanted to save my, my Slender Man for you. I have like two Ooh. or three Slender Man stories. So we'll do that. Oh, we'll do I'm that before. One. I totally forgot of it until now, but um you are you are a fan of Slenderman and I know that yeah. uh you would enjoy it. Uh Terry the Tickler, also a huge fan of Slen- Slenderman. Um sounds like they would get along. That's for sure. <laughs> Terry the Tickler? Terry the Tickler. And Slenderman? Yeah. That it sounds like a superhero. Like duo. like flatmates. <laughs> <laughs> Terry the Tickler and Slenderman. It's like a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh Urkel plays both of them. <laughs> His sending comeback role. Yeah, you know, like a like His a reemergence. Yeah, like he uh, he nutty professors it. He saw Tom Hardy in that one where he plays the two. <laughs> he was like, oh, that guy's hilarious. That's it. That's it. And then it, that's it. Career's uh, taken over. Yeah, he's gonna be that guy. So <laughs> we're gonna do that right now with uh, the Russian sleep experiment. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books cots to sleep on but no bedding 
running water and toilet, and enough dried food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. You're gonna, you're gonna take this next paragraph. I need a fucking second. <laughs> Are your eyes terrible right now, too? No, they're fine. They're fine. It's Just not because fine. of the weed. No, no. What? I don't smoke that. <laughs> After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. Screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives. They were afraid were either dead or vegetables. They announced, We are opening the chamber to test the microphone, step away from the door, and lie flat on the floor where you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice response. We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research, unable to provoke any more response using the intercom. It was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of loved ones, to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened, and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call that state of any of them in life. The food rations past day five had not so much as been touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. 
All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth, as the researchers originally thought. Closer examination of the positions and angles of the wounds indicated that most, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed. While the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place, the skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working, digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh they ripped off and eaten over the course of days. They're going to need one hell of a, of a cleaning made in the morning. like a fiber one bar. Oh, stevia. Yeah, yogurt. none of them, you know, none of them ate their Snickers. No. And, they, you know, they get like that when they're hungry. Lots of pasta brought to you by Snickers. Stop being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's their cat. That's their be phrase, less right? Of a dick. <laughs> yeah. We we could sell less bars. Just be less of a dick. That's that is their phrase, right? That's on the that's on the yeah. wrapper. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out, another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off, and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subjects' teeth. Another fight. We're just laughing about the testicles, well, aren't we? If his teeth severed a leg, an artery in his leg, his mouth was pretty close to his testicles. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, close. if I was CSI, I'd be, I'd be looking there first. <laughs> yeah. I'd swab the testicles. Well, in this, uh, you'd be KGB. I'd be, oh, I'd be KGB Special Forces. Yeah. That's right. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. Yeah, that you know that counts. Yeah. There's a death toll. Yeah. Catast- yeah. Catastrophic. Yeah, five weeks. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had been had his spleen ruptured, and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than ten times the human dose of morphine derivative, and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arm of one doctor. When Hart was seen to beat for a full two minutes after he bled out to the point that there was more air in his vascular system than blood... Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word MORE over and over, weaker and weaker, until he finally fell silent. So it was more like MORE. MORE. Yeah, just like that. MORE. So weaker, weaker and weaker. Can have some more updates. <laughs> so it's Oliver Twist. <laughs> uh, I was in hell. May I have some more, please? The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begged for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare him for the surgery. 
He fought furiously against his restraints when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under. He managed to tear most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even through the weight of a 200-pound soldier holding that wrist as well. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled a normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn, and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be subdued. Most of them were from the force his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed, he was unable to beg or object to surgery, and he only rejected, reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested, reluctantly, that they try the surgery without anesthetic, and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting them to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically impossible for this patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. So this entire story is like a Clive Barker jerk-off. You ever, I, you ever I, see Hellraiser? You know. You know the state that the, uh, what are their fucking names again? What do they call the, the monsters in Hellraiser? Yeah. Cenobites? Cenobites. Yeah. Cenobites. Cenobites. Bagel bites. Cenobites. Bagel bites. They're bagel shaped monsters. They call them Cenobites, I think. Right. And um, you know how they leave, you know, they all have different ways of leaving a person, but you know, like in the first movie, the way the, the dad survived, he was just a, you know, organ out, muscle out. You've never seen Hellraiser? Never seen Hellraiser. What the f? You're, why are you fucking here? At me, like, yeah. a, like a fourth grader. Left and right. Kept, kept I watch like three people. new horror movies a week. And I'm, I'm going to repeatedly miss them. Mm. And then you're going to cheer me on and say, yeah, yeah, kid, it's okay. It's okay. You're in fourth grade. You're my son. I'm proud of you, even if you don't hit the ball. And I'm literally going to stand there for an hour. It's a fall, so it's kind of chilly. I'm going to stand there for an hour, and you're going to watch me miss every ball, every movie ball that you throw at me. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to be like, oh, you know what? I still love you, and I still think you're awesome. But like a little part of you has been like, uh, this kid's retarded. Like, this kid sucks. Why'd I get him? So in Hellraiser, the dad dad gets... uh, He he had been practicing in this dark arts, and, you know, uh, he found a way to outsmart the the Cenobites. That's what the first movie's about. And by, by, by beating death, the form he takes is this kind of skinless, muscle out, skeleton out, organ out being. Okay. That looks literally impossible to be taken care of so it reached this uh inhuman level this inhuman plane of existence on our earth that's what i'm kind of imagining these like leftover people look like with just their organs fucking everywhere yeah i get the my image is like the uh the old like encyclopedia cds used to get with your windows thing and it used to like open on the the muscle guy yeah he just had his skin missing and he was just like a muscle skeleton <laughs> but that was the no like it's <laughs> like what do you find in a biology book yeah you know? exactly exactly it's like he's just perfectly smiling clean individuals he's so clean he's like, i just don't have skin i just don't have skin, just have skin. Uh, more 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 human being. more i just don't have skin yeah 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 exactly and yeah. then he's, he's begging more that's it Oh no! In Clive Barker's Hellraiser, it's blood and guts literally everywhere. Oh. Everything they touch just leaves a residue of like blood, and like every wall he leans on is just like blood trail. Like that's that's, that's a hallmark of Clive Barker, though. 
When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well, although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. But, but, when, uh, but when they got their drawing tab... Tapped uh, the little notepads. Um, they just, they both just drew the dick butt guy instead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the one guy's just like, no, like, what the fucking program? Right, keep, right, like, uh, I'm gonna smile at you while you cut me. And then again, he's just like, no, I like, fuck you, I'm gonna put dick butt. I saw this th- funny thing on the internet. You remember when we were in that chamber without sleep for like 14 days? Yeah, it was on the internet. This guy named Dick Butt. Dick Butt. It's pretty freaking funny. Hey, Gino, come over here. They're Italians. <laughs> No, Tab, you get over here! This should be called the Italian sleep experiment. It'd be so much better. <laughs> how, much, how much pasta can you eat? Hey, how much pasta here? can you eat? Can you eat pasta for 30 days? That's that's the Italian experiment right there. If you 60 pounds of pasta, you should be fine. Uh, if you need anything... Oh, you just be fat. <laughs> the other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well although he had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subject could only follow an attending researcher with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced, and they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as what to, should be done with them. The researchers, facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project, considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, an ex-KGB instead, saw a potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously, The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. First left, then right, then left again for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired for EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of deep sleep, then flatlined, the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwaves showed the same flat lines as the one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as well as three researchers. 
one of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to the bed, as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things. Not with you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? he demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. So nearly free. So what was it? So what was the gas? What or what? Or what? Or what? Is it like the devil? I mean, I just think it's like pure human, carnal, primal, what what every human is on the inside. You know, we put we put clothes on and we teach ourselves rules, but at the end of the day, we're just fucking animals. You think it's like the primal part of the human? Oh, totally. I think it's just madness. It's it's madness in drug form. It's like uh, it's like the uh, the shittiest John Carpenter movie ever made, uh, Ghost of Mars. Primal fucking humans existing, being fucking assholes to everyone, yeah. ripping out of organs and and you know making Christmas decorations out of them. Let me ask you this: What are your feelings in the story itself? Oh, I love the Russian sleep experiment. Yeah. There is the you know it it definitely it it. It, it rings even stronger to Clive Barker now because there's something to be said about being literally so close to death and so close to like sleep that at the same time um, you're getting a taste of what like the afterlife is. You are so close to dying that you start to become a waking form of death. Yeah. And that's kind of where I go when I read that story. Like that's immediately what I imagine this, this, very thin tremulous line in the middle of life and death that is just like you're just dead enough to understand everything what death is but you're not there yet you are point zero 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 one percent away from it interesting interesting so like the stories of like the people who have the near-death experiences mm. like that that interests you I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely think so. I'm not, I'm not a spiritual person. I don't actually think there's an afterlife at all. Like I, we've we've discussed it on other episodes. There's just something to be said about some someone being so close to death that it becomes a an inhuman and otherworldly kind of um, experience. This this just crazy. I guess the most comparable thing I could is like a trip. You know, there's something to be said about like taking. You know, some people like to be inflicted with pain during like sex. You know, there's there's uh, there's a certain amount of like trip like that your brain goes through when you're actually being hurt, and um, I think someone missing their skin, rolling around in their fucking fluids on the ground for you know 15 days, that definitely like they've been they've been somewhere. Yeah, interesting. How, what do That's you what do you get about well, that out of that I story? Know. I don't Give know. me your side of the, the fucking coin if you're gonna judge me. My no 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 no, no. I, <laughs> I, know, I don't I know. yeah. Yeah, I I, th- I think the whole idea of dying when you go to sleep is is kind of cool, um, because it it's like one of those like uh, 
almost like an embarrassment thing. Like it's like it's it's a a human response that once you really really need to go to sleep, you're gonna go to sleep in the next like thirty seconds, and like you literally have to fight against it to uh, to not to stay awake. So that kind of thing we've all felt, and then you you say okay, but now the punishment for that is not that you go to sleep; it's it's that you die or that you turn into a monster. That's that's something humanly universally scary so that oh, makes sense that. uh we're we're gonna read some u.s force so this is a continuation of those search and rescue stories from the u.s Forest service yeah we started reading um django phillips and i started reading these uh, we started reading these episodes that wasn't um, me that's a clip sorry no it was in the background yeah yeah Just whenever you said uh, no a guy came in he sang yeah. it and then he left yeah <laughs> so it's so weird it happens all the time you know I don't plug in sound clips for anyone. I <laughs> you have well, to make all your own sound clips. Well, noises. that just happened. Yeah, so no, I, I know. Okay, as long as you know that. <laughs> so we started reading these on the last uh, the last episode, which is episode four with uh, Django Phillips. Django. And uh, we don't. You don't need to read all of these to understand them. They are all they they work in a sequential fashion, but you could pick up at any point and understand these. These are not sequels to each other. Um, by any means, they are individual logs from the perspective of someone who works for uh, Forest Service around the United States. Yep. And uh, Django Phillips is going to take the first one. Django! We get really good to lock that door. A lot of my less outdoorsy friends want to know if I've ever seen the Goat Man while I've been out on calls. Unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, I've never had anything quite like that happen. I guess the closest was the whole black-eyed man thing. Uh, but I didn't see anything. However, there was one call where I had something kind of similar happen, but I'm not sure I'm willing to chalk it up to the goat man. We got in a report that an older woman had fainted along one of the trails and needed assistance getting back down to the main area. We hike up to where she's at, and her husband is just beside himself. He runs, I guess jogs, to us and tells us that he was a little ways off the trail looking at something when his wife starts screaming behind him. He runs back to her, and she's passed out on the trail. We get her on a backboard, and as we're getting her down to the welcome center, she comes to and starts screaming again. I calm her down, and I ask her what happened. I can't remember verbatim what she said, but essentially what happened was this. She'd been waiting for her husband when she started hearing this really strange sound. She said it sort of sounded like a cat, but it was off somehow, and she couldn't quite figure out why. Meow. <laughs> Meow. Meow. It's a, it's a cat with a Jamaican accent. Meow. Meow, man. Meow. It sounds Meow. normal, but it's Meow. Off. Come get some of that basil, man. Meow. Meow. But it was off somehow, like it sounded Jamaican, and she couldn't quite figure out why. She went a little ahead to try and hear it better, and it sounded like it was coming closer. She said the closer it got, the more uneasy she was, until she finally figured out what was wrong. I do remember this next part, because uh, it was so weird, I don't think I f- could forget it if I tried. It wasn't a cat. It was a man saying the word meow over and over. Just meow. 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 Can I just say I didn't know that was going to be a plot point? I just, th- I heard make a cat noise and it's I went little, with it. It's a little on the nose. It is a little on, I've never read this before in my yeah, life. It's, it, was, it was just a Meow, mom. <laughs> meow. Meow, meow. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. Okay. But it wasn't a man. It couldn't have been, because I've never heard a man make his voice buzz like that. I thought my hearing aid was going out, 
but it wasn't. I adjusted it and it still sounded all buzzy. It was awful. He was coming closer, but I couldn't see him. And the closer he got, the more scared I was. And the last thing I remember was his shape coming out of the trees. I guess that's when I fainted. Now, obviously, I'm a little perplexed as to why a guy would be out in the fucking woods chanting meow, meow on people. So, he was once... high out of his fucking mind. He was, flying, he was flying a kite. Yeah, meow, my dude. <laughs> meow, my dude. A bumbaclot meow. <laughs> he was, a. Uh... Oh, man. He, he had to have been, like, a... A lead singer in like a Rastafarian band and just got fucking lost in these woods. <laughs> the meows are all on rhythm. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. <laughs> oh, just so good. Once we get down the mountain, I tell my superior that I'm gonna go search the area to see if I can find anything. He gives me the go ahead, and I grab a radio and hike back to where she fainted. I don't see anyone, so I keep going about a mile more, and when I head back, I go off the trail to see if I can figure out where she saw him coming from. It's almost sunset by this point, and I don't have any desire to be out at night alone. I just sort of write it off and make a mental note to check it again tomorrow. But as I'm headed back, I start to hear something in the distance. Meow. Meow. I stop, and I call out for anyone in the immediate area to identify themselves. The sound didn't come closer or get louder, but it sounded exactly like a man saying meow, meow, in this really odd monotone. What was it monotone? Meow. 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 Meow, man. <laughs> as comical as it makes it sound, it was almost like that guy on South Park with the electro-larynx, Ned. Oh, yeah. Meow. 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 Meow, meow man. Meow, my Meow, Bamba Clot. Meow, Nico. Meow, you gotta see this deal go down, Nico. No, that actually sounds scary though. Like meow. Yeah. Meow. Yeah. That sounds. That's terrifying. That's a little. That's freaky. I go off the trail in the direction I think it's coming from, but I never seem to get closer. It's almost like it's coming from all directions. Eventually, it just sort of fades out, and I ended up going back to the welcome center. I didn't get any further reports like that, and even though I went back to the area, I never heard the exact sound again. I suppose it could have been some stupid kid out there fucking with people, but even I have to admit it was weird. I love these stories. Meow. 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 It's like a steel drum. Yeah. Every time you hit it, it just says meow. 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 He's just out meow. there with one of those shitty, like, techno drum sets that, like, changes the, the sounds and the pitches he when you hit the things. sound would be meow. And then yeah. it's just odd. It's just odd. Like, yeah. He's like, he's like, how can I, how can I go about doing this in the funnest way possible? Yeah. It's gonna be, I'll do the tin, I'll do the Jamaican tin drums, but I'll yeah. change the the tones to be meow instead of the actual drum hit. This is where I do all my best writing. <laughs> Out here in the woods, like, the so close to nature. Happen. Oh, this is the next log search and rescue stories. U.S. Forest Service. The first happened on a case that I went out on right after I got out of training and was still pretty new to everything. Before I took this job, I was a volunteer, so I had a basic idea of what to expect. But on those calls, you're mostly dealing with finding lost people after vets have found signs for them. As a search and rescue officer, you go out for all kinds of cases, from animal bites to heart attacks. This case got called in early in the morning from a young couple who were up on one of the trails that goes by the lake. The husband was completely hysterical, and we couldn't really figure out what was going on. We could hear the woman screaming in the background, and he was begging us to come up there right away. When we got there, we see him holding his wife, and she's got something in her arms. She's screaming these awful, almost animal-like screams, and he's sobbing. 
He sees us and he screams at us to help them, to please get an ambulance up there. Now, obviously we can't just drive an ambulance up the walking path, so we ask him if his wife needs help or if she can walk on her own. He's still hysterical, but he manages to tell us that it's not his wife that needs help. I go over while one of the vets tries to calm him down and I ask the wife what's going on. She's rocking, holding something, and just shrieking over and over. I crouch down and see that whatever she's holding, it's covering her with blood. That's when I notice the sling on her front and my heart sinks. I ask her to tell me what's going on and I sort of pry her arms gently open so I can see what she's holding. It's her baby, obviously dead. His head is caved in on one side and he's covered in scratches. Now I've seen dead bodies before but something about this whole situation hits me hard. I have to take a second to compose myself and I get up and I go get one of the other vets who's standing by. I tell him that it's a dead kid and he sort of pats my shoulder and tells me that he'll deal with it. It took us over an hour to get this woman to let us see her kid. Every time we try to take him from her, she flips out and tells us we can't have him, and he'll be okay if we just leave her alone and let her help him. But eventually, one of the vets manages to calm her down, and she gives us the body. We took it back to the med area, but when the EMTs showed up, they told us that there was never any hope of saving the kid. He died instantly from the trauma to his head. I was good buddies with one of the nurses who met them at the hospital, and she told me later what had happened. It turns out that the couple had been walking with the baby in the sling, and they stopped because the kid was fussing. The dad takes the kid and is holding him, looking out over the little gully by the path. The mom comes to stand next to him, but she ends up stepping on a loose patch of soil, and she trips. She falls into the dad, who drops the kid, who ends up falling about 20 feet down to this little gully, onto the rocks at the bottom. The dad climbed down and recovered the kid, but he'd fallen right on his head and was dead by the time he got there. The baby was only about 15 months old. It was a total freak accident, a series of events that coalesced into the worst possible outcome. Probably one of the more awful calls I've been on. Dead babies! Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we got some dead babies with our pasta was, tonight. I like that. I, that was frightening. It was frighteningly real. Yeah, yeah. Like that shit happens all over the country, yeah. every day. There's no like supernatural element. No gullies. Like, oh, no, no, no fucking nothing. Just, um, just you know, mom, mom life. drops a kid. Kid's dead. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, but it's life. As a as a role model once said, you know, babies were just a bunch of fucking. Uh, we're, we're just a fucking bunch of lego pieces that are trying to get to the end of the finish line by the time we reach our first year of age we should be lucky to have all of our pieces in the right place <laughs> the, the yeah, guy who lego. invented legos yeah exactly yeah, the, yeah that was yeah, yeah no it's good um in in all in all actuality like we are humans are a fickle thing fragile <laughs> Fragi- fragile. fragile thing yeah, yeah. you want to read this next one we can do it i can do it real quick who is that quote by Oh, is comedian Henry Zabrowski. Oh. I honestly don't know how I'd forgotten this story, but it is by far the scariest thing that's happened to me. I guess maybe I've tried so long to forget about it that it just didn't come to mind right away. As someone who spends literally all their time in the woods, you don't ever want to let yourself get scared of being alone or out in the middle of nowhere. That's why when you have experiences like this, you just tend to forget them and move on. This is, to date, the only thing that's really made me seriously consider if this job is the right one for me. 
I don't like talking about it much, but I'll do the best I can to remember it all. As I recall, this took place right at the end of spring. It was a typical lost child call. A four-year-old girl had wandered away from her family's campsite and had been missing for about two hours. Her parents were completely despondent and told us what most parents do. My kid would never wander away. She's so good about staying close. She's never done anything like this before. We assured the parents that we'll do everything we can to find her, and we spread out in a standard search formation. I was partnered with one of my good buddies, and we were sort of casually holding conversation while we hiked. I know it sounds callous, but you do sort of become desensitized when you've done this long enough. It becomes the norm, and I think to a certain extent, you have to learn to desensitize yourself in order to work this job. We search for a good two hours, going well beyond where we think she'd be, and we come out of a small valley when something makes us both stop in unison. We freeze, and we look at each other, and there's almost a sensation like a plane depressurizing. My ears pop, and I have this odd sensation of having dropped about 10 feet. I start to ask my buddy if he felt that, but before I can, we hear the loudest sound I've ever heard in my life. It's almost like a freight train passing directly by us, but it's coming from every direction at once, including above and below us. He screams something to me, but I can't hear him over this deafening roar. Understandably freaked out, we look all around us trying to find the source of the sound, but neither of us sees anything. Of course, my first thought is a landslide, but we're not near any cliffs, and even if we were, it would have hit us by now. The sound goes on and on, and we're trying to yell to each other, but even standing so close, we can't hear anything but the sound. Suddenly, as it starts, it stops, like someone threw a switch and cut it off. We stand there for a second, perfectly still, and slowly the normal sound of the woods come back. He asked me what the fuck just happened, but I kind of shrug, and we stand there looking at each other for a minute. I get on the radio and ask if anyone else just heard the end of the fucking world, but no one else hears it, even though we're all sort of within shouting distance of one another. My buddy and I just sort of shrug it off and keep going. About an hour later, we all check up on the radios, and no one's found the little girl. Most of the time, we won't search when it gets dark, but because we don't have any kind of lead on her, a few of us decide to keep going, including me and my buddy. We keep close together, and we're calling out for her every couple of minutes. At this point, I'm hoping beyond hope that we find her, because while I may not like kids, the idea of them being out all alone in the dark is awful. The woods can be intimidating to kids in the daylight, and at night, well, it's, it's a whole different beast. But we're not seeing any signs of her, we're getting any responses, and around midnight we decided to turn around and head back to the rendezvous point. We're about halfway back when my buddy stops and shines his light to the right of us, into a really thick deadfall, or a group of dead trees. I ask him if he's heard a response, but he just tells me to be quiet a second and listen. I do, and in the distance I can hear what sounds like a kid crying. We both call the girl's name and listen for any kind of response, but it's just this really faint crying. We head in the direction of this deadfall, we go around it calling her name over and over and over. As we get closer to the crying, I start getting this weird feeling in my gut, and I tell my buddy that something isn't right. He tells me he feels the same way, but we can't figure out what it is. We stop where we are, and call the girl's name again. And at the same time, we both figure it out. The crying is on a loop. It's the same little hitching sob, then wail, then quiet hiccup, repeated over and over exactly the same every time and without saying another word we both take off running it's the only time i've ever lost my composure like that but something about it was so incredibly wrong and neither of us wanted to stay out there anymore when we got back to the rendezvous we asked if anyone else had heard anything strange but no one else knew what we were talking about i know it sounds sort of anticlimactic but that call fucked me up for a long time as for the little girl we never found a trace of her we keep an eye out for her and all the other people who we've never found, but frankly, I doubt we'll ever find anything. 
So the same repeated noise over and over again was that does that mean it's a recording or some kind of supernatural surreal event? I think it I think it was like a well, I mean, you know, it's up for interpretation. I think it was a recording. And I think it was like I tend to lead towards like it was a trap. Yeah. You know, it was trying to lure more people into the same thing. Whether whether or not that was um you know, like a supernatural Supernatural. threat. But like yeah, Yeah, but you know, it's still one of those things. I, I just tend to think it's like, I don't think it's just weird shit that happens in the woods. I think it's like weird things in the woods. Yeah. Agreed. It's like a tape deck and it's just playing a little girl's surprise. Why? <gasps> we don't know. No. That's the mystery and the intrigue. But yeah, that was, that was lots of pasta with uh, Django Phillips. Django. Uh, How did you feel about this episode? I felt it was great. I really liked it. I, I feel like at least content-wise, we got, like, we dealt with two of the heavyweights of Creepypasta. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I think I'm going to, I'm going to save, I'm going to save most of the classics for you just because you approach them with respect. Um, no one else really knows what we're doing, and if I'm being honest, um, Frowns McBoohoo is just a fucking mess <laughs> 50% of the time that we're trying to record, and he knows it. And he knows it. And, like, when we talk about it the next day, he's just like, I don't know what I did last night. I think that's why Frowns is my favorite bunch. Because he's just fucking lost the entire time? Yeah. He doesn't know who he, he, doesn't know who he is by the end of a single story because he's been five different people. He's asking questions about He's himself. like that who new James McAvoy movie, Split, by M. Night Shyamalan. Ooh, that that so is fra- awesome. It looks awesome. Looks it's awesome. a good return to form for, yeah. for M. Night Shyamalan because the visit sucked. Let's be honest. Was it bad? The visit sucked. Because that's one of the things I was thinking about this day. That's one of the Everyone's like, things. oh, that's his return to form. No. It sucks. No. His his return to form will be something that isn't just about people. It's about something supernatural because he only lost that form after Lady in the Water, which was a good movie. It it, it only he only lost form when he did fucking Nickelodeon last year. I'm not even gonna fucking talk about it. Doesn't deserve to be talked about on my podcast. Can I express an opinion that you might kill me for? Okay. I don't think it's his best movie. I like The Happening. Oh, no. I could watch The Happening. Okay. I think it's, laugh- it's laughable. Fair. It's laughable. But, again, I don't think his real true downfall was until Airbender. And it's it's hard for him to come back from that. I think it was hard for him to get funded after that. So, like, Devil, he didn't direct, but he had a point in producing. Still just kind of lukewarm. Visit just lame. Annoying, annoying, annoying child actors. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard it's hard to nail a good child actor, but when you got shit like uh, the witch and like Looper, which nail kids, yeah, as good characters, yeah. you, it's hard to assume why an indie horror like The Visit is having such a hard fucking time. I, I thought the witch was specifically awesome. after this is the guy who did Signs, Unbreakable. And the Sixth Sense, which have like some of the best children roles ever directed in yeah. movie history, um, that's a good point. Fucking disappointing, is what the visit is. Uh, so yeah, Split. Oh, so fucking excited. But yeah, that's Frowns McBoohoo. That entire movie is about Frowns McBoohoo because he comes in like wearing a dress and he's just like, "What are we doing today?" And then like, <laughs> and then like he goes to the bathroom and comes back like in four-year-old clothes yeah. and he's like. I like dicks! And, like, that's just how he runs sometimes. And then he's, like, a, a seven-year-old, like, hunter from the 1900s. He has, like, multiple trophies on his wall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Van Helsing. I'm exploring the outback. 
what a new impressive territory we find ourselves in. Hmm. And then he's, <laughs> but then he's back at the four year old. Sounds exactly like James McAvoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Hmm. What a fine, uh, impressive territory. Where's Michael Fassbender's asshole so I could lick it? <laughs> Split. <laughs> Trailer. Done. They shouldn't have made one. They should have paid us. Any final words for this episode of Lots of Pasta? I have three. Okay, give them to me. Spaghetti, rigatoni, bumbleclot. (laughs) Okay, so they have nothing to do with each other. Well, the two do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's enough for me. Last night.